it is so good to be together and to continue our journey through Colossians, hey? Thank you so much to Pastor Nate and Rach for giving me a chance this morning to speak into our Colossians series. And uh, I don't take it lightly, so thank you so much. And, um, you know, I've made a bit of an observation that we've got pretty far through Colossians now. You know, if this was a movie, we'd be kind of getting close to that last portion where things are starting to draw to a close. And I've really realized that if there was a theme song to Colossians, it would be Jesus Only You by Martin Smith. I'm not sure if you know that song. It's a very simple song. <laughs> the title pretty much is almost all of the words. Um, but it is a beautiful song and it is a theme song that I see throughout Colossians. Jesus Only You. Everything is about Jesus. And, you know, you might think to yourself, didn't we talk about Jesus last week and the week before that and the week before that? Yeah, we're going to be talking about Jesus for the rest of our lives because he is everything. So for the first half of Colossians, Paul is very focused on theology, which is what we believe. And that's important. We need to know what we believe. We need to have theology that is founded in Jesus Christ. And Paul is very clear about that. But now he's getting into the practical. Who loves the practical? Oh my gosh, we need the practical, right? We need clear instructions and Paul gets into that. He gets quite to the point, which uh, some people will really appreciate that. I know my husband is quite a get to the point person uh, and he's very patient with me when I take the long way around to tell a story. (laughs) And uh, Paul gets to the point and he gives us some clear directions for Christian households and in the culture of his time, a household uh, could have been made up with a bit of variety, probably a little different to the households that we have now. Um, Husbands and wives, I have that in my household. Um, Children and parents, I will have that in my household next year. How exciting. And uh, slaves and masters do not have that in my household. (laughs) Although you could say Earl and I are a slave to our dog, maybe. (laughs) But um, all of that could have been under one roof, including people who are migrating. Um, There could have been people there, uh, children who um, maybe their parents were the slaves. Um, We also could have children there whose parents might be a slave and the master. Um, You know, I thought my family was complicated, but (laughs) there's a lot going on in the Christian household. And so Paul gives us some clear instructions. Now that everything is about Jesus, now that our new life is found in Christ, now that our reason is Jesus for everything, what does that look like in our daily relationships and in our household? And that's important. So today, I just want us to uh, put something at the front of our minds as we dive into these scriptures. And one of those things is that all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching so that we may be thoroughly equipped for every good work, right? In 2 Timothy, it says that all scripture, even the ones that make us gasp or we don't fully understand straight away, all scripture is God-breathed. And so let's keep that in our minds. And this quote from N.T. Wright, I'm going to share with you, says, if we don't allow scripture to challenge us at places where our culture is doing its best to squeeze us into a different pattern, then what use is it? So if we don't let scripture challenge us, then what are we doing with it? (laughs) So powerful quote. Alrighty, I'm going to read our scripture for today and then I'm going to pray. So from Colossians 3, we're going to go from verse 17 and it says, and whatever you do or say, 
do it as a, sorry, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. I'm pretty sure I just heard from a fast parents say amen. Uh, <laughs> fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favour. Yes, you heard that right. But with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Alrighty, let's pray. Mighty God, Lord God, I just thank you so much for your presence. I thank you, God, for your power. I thank you, Jesus, that you are real and you are mighty and you are present right now with us, God, wherever we tune in from, you are present with us. So God, we just, we are open to you this morning. Breathe on us this morning. Transform us to be more like you this morning in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hey, if I sound the slightest, um, slightest bit out of breath, that is actually pregnancy. Um, apparently, my growing insides are pushing on my lungs, so um, I'm not super unfit, maybe slightly, but if I do sound puffed, please just be gracious with me this morning. So, the scripture today uh, starts off talking about wives and husbands, and I am married, so this is the part of the scripture that I feel... God brought alive for me the most, and I'm really excited about actually sharing about this part of Scripture. Now, weeks and weeks ago, uh, when I first started preparing for this, I actually laughed that Pastor Nate assigned me this Scripture, <laughs> and uh, I laughed for a little while because um, I asked myself, wives, submit to your husbands. Do I do that? And, uh, you know, the word submit is a word where you kind of go, ooh, what does that even mean? Do I want to know? Not sure. Um, however, the more that I have meditated on this scripture, the more that God has revealed to me that a marriage in Christ is a picture of Jesus and his church and what he can do through it is incredible. Now, it's really important to note that um, Paul is really getting to the point in this book, but he expands in other books. So if you would like to read more about what he has to say about this and what the Bible has to say, uh, Ephesians chapter 5 and 6 is another place where you can go because uh, for whatever reason in Colossians, Paul was keeping it snappy today. So <laughs> uh, amazing. So I'm actually going to start by telling you a little bit about mine and Earl's relationship. So <laughs> um, it is actually an amazing relationship. We celebrated our seven years of marriage, uh, <laughs> which is an achievement and I am so proud of us, babe. Um, and that was in July this year. We were in isolation uh, and we got um, our own Uber Eats orders because we couldn't, like we didn't agree on what to have for dinner. And we're like, well, 
we don't have to choose somewhere to go because we can't go anywhere. So uh, I think Earl got a burger and I got Thai, classic us. And it's a bit of a picture of our relationship, you know. We are often quite opposite. We are often quite opposite in many ways. We are united on what matters. We are united in our love for Jesus. We are united in our love for the church. Uh, However, in so many other ways, we are extremely opposite. And, you know, people sometimes make jokes and say, oh, they said it wouldn't last. Well, someone actually said that to us uh, in the early days. And uh, I'm super happy that we've proved them wrong. But I can see where they were coming from. I really, really believe that any relationship where both people are surrendering to Jesus daily, truly, that is a good relationship. That is a relationship that God can do amazing things through. And I believe that surrendering to Jesus is what has sustained us and is what will continue to sustain us. Have there been arguments? Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> so many. Uh, are we still learning to do all the things that Pastor Nate was talking about last week when it comes to our marriage? Put on compassion, put on kindness, put on gentleness, put on humility. Yeah, we're still learning. Forgiveness, you know, it comes a bit quicker these days, but you know, we're still human. It takes time. But Jesus makes a massive difference to our relationship. I know you'd never guess this, but I am hard work. <laughs> Pastor Earl is an amazing husband. He is quite patient with me. And, uh, you know, I am happy. I am happy to accept his God-ordained leadership in my life. I do that willingly. Look, sometimes, disclaimer, I do kick up a fuss because I'm still human and I'm quite uh, independent and stubborn. However... I come around because God um, reminds me. He is stuck by me in times when I've been very sad. Uh, even last night, he sacrificed the last two pineapple lumps for me, which that is loving your wife. <laughs> if, you, uh, if you haven't had a pineapple lump before, add them to your cart in your next online order. And, uh, you know, he lays down his life for me. We so need the power of the Holy Spirit to live out a Christ-centered marriage. And even if you are not married, I really encourage you to lean into the Word of God today because we actually need a godly worldview on marriage in our faith walk, whether we are married or not. Um, and so, yeah, let's just keep that in mind. Now, diving into the Scripture, I'm going to go to verse 19 first. So, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. A bit of context. The Bible does not put males over females. It doesn't put one gender over the other. There is no superiority in Christ because Christ is a superior one. He is the one that is above all and in all and through all. But God designed marriage. And when he designs something, he doesn't design it in chaos. He brings order and peace into that design. And he gives us a way. He gives us a way to follow. That is the Jesus way. Now, we are called to live in Christ in mutual unity. And it's interesting to note that at the time Paul is writing this, there would have been uh, women, wives, who were actually still under the authority of their fathers, which is so foreign to us, uh, especially those who may have been considered socially elite. And there were some socially elite people in Paul's church. So he's addressing something culturally as well as um, a bit more broad. Now, the word love here 
is not the general like bare minimum love that you would expect, right? Because you can read that and go, well, yeah, you got married. Uh, love kind of comes with the deal, right? But it's not like that. It is the same kind of love that Jesus showed us when he laid down his life for us, a sacrificial love. That is the kind of powerful love that Paul is describing here. The husband is called to lay down his life for his wife, called to um, lay down his own interest to support her, to nourish her growth and to care for her, to only seek the highest good for her. That's the kind of love that that is. I don't know about you, but that is the kind of love that I'm quite willing to submit to. That is the kind of love that is safe and is beautiful. And that's why we need to dig into the scriptures so much more, because when we just quickly read it, we don't always realize what God is saying. So Paul focuses on loving. That's the focus. And as we focus on love, our marriages are going to be more spirit driven. They're going to be God glorifying. As we focus on love, there is no room for discussion about chauvinism or an imbalance of power or anything like that, because Paul is not calling us to share the power. He's calling us to share our lives with each other and to pursue Jesus together. That is what Paul is calling us to do. So leadership isn't the power to rule, it's the power to sacrifice everything. And in verse 18, it says, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. As is fitting in the Lord. That's a very key part of that. So Paul is inviting wives to submit to that kind of love as is fitting in the Lord, because the Colossians are learning how to reorient their whole life around Christ, as are we. I am still learning to do that, right? We learn every single day. And so submission follows sacrifice. The picture that God paints of marriage is a beautiful picture of Jesus and the church. And, you know, Jesus laid down his life for us, but we get to choose whether or not to submit to that. He doesn't force us. But isn't it so much better when we do, right? The things that God does. A marriage like this is powerful. A marriage like this is a safe place, a refuge, not a war zone. It's a beautiful picture. You know, marriage and faith involve a lot of the same. Trust, one of my weaker points, not going to lie, um, because life Um you know, letting go of selfishness, surrender. There's a lot of parallels there. So to submit, what does it mean? To stand under the covering of that love, to respect, to regard, to deeply care for him, serving, honouring, edifying. That word means to build up, to have an attitude as to the Lord of highest esteem and regard. The gospel sets people free to love each other in freedom, not bound to status or hierarchy. There is a freedom. There is freedom all the way through this. All dimensions of the relationship are shaped by Christ-like behavior, as is fitting in the Lord, Christ-deformity, which means to become more like Jesus every single day. Now, a bit of a disclaimer. There have been times where these scriptures have been severely misquoted in history and used as an excuse for very poor behavior. And God is not saying to submit to manipulation or abuse or a severely unhealthy relationship or anything like that. It is not so black and white. 
God is not cruel like that. And I'm super, super deeply sorry for people that have been hurt or have witnessed pain or who wonder how can this possibly be the case? Marriage seems so broken. And without Jesus, it is. Without Jesus, these kind of instructions do not stand a chance. They just simply do not. And yeah, I'm really sorry for people who have been hurt, but there's going to be an opportunity today to invite God into that hurt and experience healing today because that is the way of Jesus. So let's keep going. Verse 20 and 21. So here we go. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. (laughs) Now, who is hearing this message? As I said, there would have been quite a mixture slave children, free children, um, children that have mixed parentage. And the way that Paul has um, written this letter, the way that they would be hearing this actually makes slave children and free children equal. And the fact that Paul uh, addresses children is quite amazing because in the context of the day, children were usually ignored. But Paul recognises there are children in that church that also need to hear the word of God, that also um, need instructions or that also need to know how to live in Christ. And so he places value on them and he acknowledges the children, which is what Jesus did as well. Now, in everything, assumes that the parents are fearing God and giving godly wisdom. In everything is not unreasonable demands or abuse or anything like that, but in everything is assuming that this is a believing household with parents who are trying their best. So the husbands and wives and the father and children relationship is in the context of a believing household. And that's important to know. In the Roman context, fathers very much had the authority and there would be Romans listening to this. In the Jewish context, it was understood that fathers had the power to make or break their children, which is really not that different to today. The power of fatherhood is not to be ignored. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Fatherhood is a powerful thing, super powerful. And, you know, no one's going to be perfect, right? Um, I hear that parenthood is quite testing. Uh, Ask me in a few years. Um, It's not easy, And this is why we need Jesus in every single relationship to empower us to live as he would have us live. Now, obey. It's kind of one of those words like submit that in our culture, we hear that and we kind of resist it a little bit. Like, well, I'm going to obey, but I need a bit more information or how do I know that you have my best interest or what if I just don't like what you're telling me? And it's one of those words that we're not always quick to accept in our current culture. And popular misbelief in our humanity, humanity, sorry, is that obedience is restricting. Obedience takes away what we want and it limits us. But a Bible view of obedience is that it's actually releasing. It's actually so powerful that it can actually bring blessing and God's presence to not only the person that obeys, but to the people around them as well. Obedience is powerful. This parent-child relationship lived in Christ opens the door to evangelism, which is amazing. It's, it's incredible. And, you know, I look around our church and I see 
examples of this and I am inspired and I dream as I read these verses about all that my future family can be, about all the ways that I will see Jesus move in my family. You know, Earl and I, we are starting a new chapter in our family and it's exciting to dream about how God will move. It's amazing. So as we move down uh, from verse 22, it says, Slaves obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eyes on you and to carry their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Now, it's important to know that Paul is speaking into the culture that he was living in. And he is not endorsing slavery. We do not endorse slavery. It is, it is not from God and we are actively against it as Christians. However, the households at the time, God was sweeping through and people were meeting Jesus and getting saved and they needed some instructions on how to live that out in the households that they found themselves in. As I said at the start, some of their households might have been a little bit complicated. And so Paul addresses that. What Paul does do is that he places value on slaves by addressing them in this letter. They are not exempt from living a life in Christ because they're accepted by Jesus. And now slaves and masters actually become brothers and sisters in Christ because all human distinction, all hierarchy, all superiority is done away with in God. We equally participate in redemption. We equally participate in forgiveness if we've accepted Jesus as our Lord. And so, you know, initially reading this, I kind of thought... um, okay, well, we can apply this to our current workplace, but it's not really the same because I don't know about you, but I am not a slave in my workplace. Uh, I know you might joke and feel like one sometimes, but we're still free. We still have rights. Um, So it's not a same, same comparison. However, what we can take from this is that no matter where we find ourselves on a socioeconomic ladder, we are still called to treat those um, around us with honour. We are still called to live a life in Christ. We are still called to live out the gospel no matter where we find ourselves. And in this context, that is regardless of whether the master knows Jesus or not. You know, the the instructions we've looked at first were uh, for believing households. But when it comes to the master-slave relationship Paul's writing about, it does not matter if the master or the slave um, believes as he's speaking to the believer in that context to do it regardless. You know, in each example of a relationship that Paul talks about here, wives and husbands, parents and children, slaves and masters, he addresses the person of honour in that relationship and he calls them to turn that honour around and put it on the other person. He calls them to be sacrificial. He calls them to be like Jesus. There is no power struggles in this passage. There is no, there is no um, asserting yourself or dominating or anything like that. But in Christ, we are all humble. 
In Christ, we are all putting on the new nature. In Christ, we are all living for Jesus. Our reason is Jesus. In Christ, there is no difference. We've all fallen short. We've all made mistakes. We've all had times where we have not lived these verses. But Jesus is the one who saves and redeems and gives us another chance. And I believe that he wants to do that today. I believe that God wants to pour out fresh life into some marriages today, into some parent-children relationships today, into some relationships where we maybe have felt unfairly treated or, or treated someone unfairly. That God is going to breathe on some relationships that seem dead or seem so difficult and God is going to do what only He can do if we're open to it. If we will open up our hearts, if we will open up our minds to His Word. You know, our reason is Jesus here at C3 Victory. And in the Coloss Colossian church, whether they would say it in those words or not, that was also true. Paul is very strong about Christ being the goal, about Jesus being everything. And so that is true for us as well. Walking in the new nature, Christ deformity. You know, I, I really don't believe that there's ever going to be a moment where we've just made it. And it's like, I'm not going to wake up in 10 or 15 years and go, well, I look exactly like Jesus today. Because while we were here on this earth, there's a gap there are gaps because of the way that the world is that we live in and the way that we are. But Jesus is ready to fill those gaps. He is ready to come and to empower us to do the things that we cannot do without Him. 